Well, good morning, everybody. As we all know, in today's environment, iPhones are a commodity, something that we're so used to that we don't even think about it these days. But um, I can remember back in my childhood, something completely different that was called the party line. And some of you may well remember that. Our phone number was three shorts, two shorts and a long. And that meant that uh, every time the phone rang, and if we heard two shorts and a long, that was our phone, and we, we could pick it up. Otherwise, different calls would come through, and we would know that they were for the neighbours. So we've come a long way, haven't we? Now, the last few weeks, we particularly have been getting into using Skype and Zoom, and it's, uh, it's an absolutely uh, tremendous thing to use, and we're really familiar with the fact that we can look at each other's faces on our cameras. Change is gradual, and when it's gradual, it's comfortable, isn't it? But when change happens in a hurry, it's uncomfortable. And for a lot of us, what we've been experiencing over the last little while with the, the lockdown has been a sudden and dramatic change. And that has been very uncomfortable for us all. And the thing about, uh, about comfort is that, uh, it's, it, to a degree, it's an illusion. It's an illusion because it's an environment that we create for ourselves, which meets our own needs. And the problem that we have within, Christ, within Christendom is that we think faith and comfort should accompany one another. They should follow one another. And yet that's not the truth of it. Faith is our relationship with God. Comfort may be a byproduct of a whole lot of things, but it doesn't necessarily mean that our comfort represents our faith. And so when we get challenged, as many of us will be doing right now because of the changes, the rapid changes that we're going through, uh, we immediately think that our faith is under threat. At the beginning of the year, I talked about how our faith can be like a, a, a circle. And um, so much of what we try to do in the Western world is to get this unbroken circle of confidence and comfort, whereby everything's all nice and neat. We've got, the, um, we've got our health, we've got our wealth, we've got our relationships all tied up. But faith says that I'm okay with the gap, the things that I don't understand, the things that are yet to be, the things that um, I'm comfortable with, because I have faith that God will actually allow us to have um, this place where he can come into that gap. You see, when I follow God, I call it my faith. When I follow God, I don't call that my certainty. I have a faith in God, not a certainty in God. And therefore, as we face a whole lot of uncertainty right now, we've got to realize that that's the place, that's the gap where God fits in. And so this morning, I'm going to have a look at um, a guy by the name of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. And when we meet him, he was really just beginning his, uh, his, his career, I suppose, for lack of a better word, his career as a prophet. And uh, he was brought into a very, very difficult time by God. There was a king by the name of King Ahab. And the scriptures tell us that he was the most evil of kings, the most evil king that had ever been in Israel. And therefore, um, to be called to be a prophet at that time must have been a pretty dangerous task, wouldn't you think? And Elijah was a young prophet. And so he has this, um, this attitude of, I'm going to get in there, I'm going to do my job, and then I'm going to get out of town. Sort of like um, a hit and run scenario. Prophecy and run. Prophecy, I'm going to tell the king what God wants me to tell him, and then I'm out of there. And this is exactly what he did. So let me read to you this morning from 1 Kings 17, verses 1 to 6, and we will see what it is that Elijah is up to. 
Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him meat and bread in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Amen. Well, it's a great little story, isn't it? God caused Elijah to challenge the king by telling him that God's going to shut up the clouds, shut up the heavens. There's going to be no rain for a period of time until Elijah calls for that rain to occur again. And then God tells Elijah to get out of town and he heads off to the brook Kerith. And there he's going to be provided for naturally and supernaturally. Naturally by a stream, a brook that runs through the, uh, through the area. And, uh, and then, of course, the ravens that are going to come and provide for him. Um, my mind goes back to a time just a few months ago when Makata and I were walking through the, the Oakuni area in the National Park there, and we came across a, a beautiful river. And when I think of the brook Kerith, I can't help but imagine this brook uh, looking something like this, where the, the water just flows out of the mountains uh, down the river and creates this beautiful environment by which um, uh, Elijah was going to live. And the supernatural side of it, of course, is that a raven a bird that is often associated with evil because it dined normally off dead carcasses um, was going to be used by God and was used by God to bring in bread and meat both morning and night. And so Elijah was really well provided for. So here we find ourselves in a place where we're looking at uh, Elijah and he's obeying the Lord and God is providing for him. He's doing what he's called to do. He's a prophet. He's prophesied. God's taken him out of the picture, largely to protect him. But he's being provided for. Well, we look at the story and we think this is a great little picture of God's provision. And, uh, and what could go wrong here? Well, let me read this next verse because things start to go, uh, well, I won't say pear-shaped, but things start to go very poorly for Elijah. 1 Kings 17, verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Well, so much for that uh, nice little comfort stop that the Lord had provided for Elijah. Can you imagine what it would have been like for Elijah to be there and just slowly watching that brook dry up? It must have been quite a desperate time as he would have been thinking to himself, gosh, where's this rain? Then he would have realized, of course, that he was the one who prophesied there'd be no rain. And so here he finds himself in a, an environment that is both spiritually and economically being uh, disaffected by God. And for Elijah, he finds himself in the middle of his own prophecy being outworked. And the Lord who was providing for him uh, caused, though, that brook to dry up. He could have allowed it to flow. But slowly over a period of time, that brook dried up. And we know what that despair looks like, because some of us are experiencing it now. You see, God's ways are higher than our ways. And that's the challenge when it comes to faith. You see, we like that circle to be closed. We like everything to be neat and tidy. 
And when challenges come, particularly sudden challenges like this virus that we're facing, all of a sudden our faith and our life, the economics, our well-being all get thrown into this big pile and it's a real confusing mess for us. But this is where faith starts to take a grip in our life. This is where faith really, really engages. You see, to live a life where the circle is complete, you don't really need faith. You just have confidence in the economy, confidence in the government, confidence in your own abilities, and you press on. It's a great little life, but it's not developing a relationship with God. Faith uh, often takes a hit during these times. And you've got to be aware of this because otherwise you're going to feel like you're, you're going through really, really difficult or strange times or you feel that you're the only one around you who's struggling with what, what's actually happening. And just like Elijah, as you've seen your, your brook, your water, your sources dry up, you can say, God, what's happening? And it's during these times, sometimes um, your faith takes a real hit and you feel like a, like a car that's, that's uh, petrol gauge is on empty. And when your petrol gauge is on empty, your faith petrol gauge, it can be a very, very difficult time for you. And um, there are times I know when um, I can look back at my own life and go, well, you know, that season of my life was real challenging. And what did I do to overcome that challenge? Well, I stopped and I looked back at the previous times where God had provided. Times when uh, there were supernatural occurrences or just this run of events that caused God to be revealing what it is that he wanted to do in my life and through my life. And so you remind yourself that even in those dim, dark times of the faith that you had. And so at one level, you end up having a faith in the faith that you had that will carry you through this difficult time. And that's quite normal. The nation of Israel would often look back and say, remember when our forefathers were taken out of Egypt by God through the desert. Remember when Moses gave us the commandments. Remember when. And so these are really, really important things for you to do to stop and reflect and think about what it is that's been in the past. And, and maybe to use this empty tank illustration a little bit, you know, if you had no fuel, but if you were to sit in your own car and just sit there and imagine the trips that you've been on, that's a little bit what I'm trying to describe here. You know that one day the fuel will return, but um, for now you've just got to remember the past and be encouraged by that. Or maybe you're in a completely different place. And um, you need someone else's help to get you through this time. Um, to use the car illustration, maybe there's a sense in which you've just got to strap yourself in the passenger seat of somebody else's car and say, can you take me with you? Can you take me? Can you, can you lead me in a way that I'm needed to be led right now? Can you pray for me? Can you read scripture to me? Can you tell me what God is doing in your life? Because right now I can't drive this vehicle. There's no petrol. And I just need to strap myself in beside you and allow you to, as a brother, as a sister, take me down the road a little bit further because right now I'm really struggling. And that's called church life, isn't it? That's when we gather together and encourage one another in the faith. Now for Elijah, um, no doubt he would have been struggling because the brook had dried up. But he got told that he had to go off to another place but he wouldn't have had a clue what it was that he was going to experience. And uh, what Elijah didn't know is what he didn't know. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to sound all zen on you here when I say what Elijah didn't know is what he didn't know. Uh, I'm not trying to sort of be like Deepak Chopra and get all clever on you. 
But what the truth is, is that with faith, there are times when you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know what's ahead. And maybe, maybe for a moment, we can stop and we can reflect. Um, there's a great song written by Casting Crowns that talks about difficult times. And so we're going to stop now, and I'm going to ask Darren to um, bring this song to us. I think you'll enjoy it, and I'm sure Elijah would have enjoyed it. But now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I'll say amen, but it's still raining. And as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you And as your mercy falls I'll raise my hands And praise the God who gives And takes away And I'll praise you in this storm And I will lift my hands For you are who you are No matter where I am And every tear is torn I will praise you in this storm I remember when I stumbled in the wind You heard my cry to you Raise me up again My strength is almost gone can I carry on if I can't find you? And as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I raise my hands, praise the God who gives and takes away. my help come from my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth I lift my eyes into the hills where does my help come from my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth
Thanks, Darren. We really appreciate that. It does capture the sense in which we're going to keep pushing through, even when times are really difficult, which no doubt Elijah did. And uh, we'll come back and talk about him in a few more minutes. But there's a story that comes out of America in the 1920s, which I think is really relevant for the season that we're in. It's a story of, of trouble. It's a story of, of despair, actually, when um, a community that grew cotton in the state of Alabama was really struggling. You see, there was this little bug called a bow weevil. Not the best looking critter, is it? The problem with the bow weevil is it loved cotton. And um, it would get into the cotton heads where the cotton grew. And by the time the harvest came and those cotton heads were supposed to be opening up to reveal the cotton, there was no cotton left. And so this uh, bow weevil started to destroy the economy in that area. And uh, year by year, the amount of the harvest in Alabama was dropping by a third each year. Well, there was a, a local uh, grain supplier who decided that there had to be something better than this because he could see that this was just not going to work in the long term to have a diminishing return. People weren't paying their bills, people were going to go hungry, and the economy was going to be destroyed. Obviously, people's lives were going to be destroyed. So he set about to try to find another crop. Well, the first thing he came back with was peanuts. Peanuts had started being grown in other states. But um, he came back and he said to these cotton farmers, look, if you grow peanuts, you might save your, your farms. And so they did. And within the first year, they got an amazing return. It, it transpires that peanuts grew really well in this town called Enterprise in Alabama. And so uh, more and more farmers caught on. And uh, out of this county, they started to press peanuts. And so we got peanut oil for the very first time. And of course, good old peanut butter and everything else that we enjoy from peanuts. But the beauty of this story is not just that they got themselves out of a hole by using peanuts, but what the town did as a result of these peanuts was that they erected a statue, a statue of thanks to the bow weevil. And here's a picture of this statue. In the middle of town, uh, there's got this sort of ancient Greek woman sort of figure there. And what's she doing? She's holding up a bow weevil as a point of celebration. And I think you'll find that this plaque says everything that needs to be said about this story. It highlights the fact that the bow weevil came into this district and devastated the crops. But what it did was it gave opportunity for something new to arise, something that was going to be more profitable than the cotton itself. And it uh, allowed for basically permission for people to diversify. And in the diversification, this town prospered. So we don't need to really reimagine what that was all about because we could see how it worked. So for the people of Enterprise 
in Alabama, the truth is that they didn't know what they didn't know until somebody said, let's give this a go. They had nothing to lose because, like Elijah, their brook had dried up. The things that they were familiar with, the things that were providing for them, had dried up. And so they seized upon this as a fresh opportunity. Now, for Elijah, uh, he might have thought he was in a pretty good space there. He'd done his job. He'd prophesied. He'd gone to the brook. God was providing. The water was uh, obviously giving him uh, sustenance uh, to keep him alive. And everything was going well. And then the brook dried up. The thing about Elijah is that he didn't know what he didn't know. And what he didn't know is that God had bigger and better things for him. God had just begun a journey with, with him. And that the prophecy that he had concerning the rain uh, was only the beginning. God had just been testing his obedience. And now he was going to be led on to different things. And so we read forward into the story and we find that he goes and he's provided for by a widow miraculously through a jar that had oil and flour in it that never seemed to run out. And this was quite handy when there was a famine on. And then the, the woman's uh, only son, the widow's only son, dies. And Elijah prays for the son and he's raised back to life again. So it's a miracle. And then, of course, probably the highlight of Elijah's whole ministry is when he challenges the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets. And uh, he calls them to this place where there's a big sacrificial altar there. And uh, they put uh, some animals there. And uh, Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal. and says, get your gods to start a fire here right on the sacrifice to consume these animals. And so there they are, 450 prophets of Baal running around, chanting and yelling and cutting themselves. And uh, by this time, Elijah grown in confidence. He wasn't the hit and run prophet anymore. He was in their faces. And he was saying, um, oh, uh, what's happened to your God? Is he tired? Is he having a holiday? Maybe he's away for a period of time and he can't attend to your needs right now. So he was getting right in their faces. And of course, when uh, his time came to call upon the living God, uh, living God sent down bolts of lightning which just consumed the sacrifice to prove that the living God was indeed uh, real and living in the midst of it. So here we have the story of a guy being taken out of something where he was relatively comfortable, but through the brook drying up, he was given an opportunity to rebuild and recreate his whole story. And I just wonder, I just wonder, if we are to uh, look seriously at what God would be saying to each one of us, and maybe even collectively as a church, what is it that God wants us to do in this season when it appears for many of us that our brook has dried up? Some of you, uh, you'll be feeling a lot like Elijah would have. You would have been, you'll be in this position where you'll be saying, um, the problem that I, that I have is that I don't know what I don't know, and only God, God knows what is ahead of me. And so therefore, um, this is a journey of faith. This is a story that has been created for you right now. And right in the midst of it, you might need to um, remember how God has provided in the past. You might need to just sort of sit in your car with that empty faith dial and go, wow, but I can remember when this happened. I can remember how this happened. I can remember when God spoke to me in this way. Or maybe... You quite simply need to strap yourself into the passenger seat for a while 
and just hang on tight and allow other people to minister to you during this season. It's a tough time. No one's calling you to be um, the big, bold warrior right now. Maybe you're just really struggling on the inside. I've got no doubt that Elijah did when that water dried up. And I've got no doubt that those farmers who lived in that little town called Enterprise felt exactly the same way when the bow weevil just ended up chewing through all of their livelihood, only for an opportunity to present itself, which would never have happened if they hadn't have had the devastation that they were facing. You see, the thing about Elijah, and the thing about the people of Enterprise, and the thing about your story, is that it's not finished. God is still at work in the midst of all of what we're doing. And we need to lean into God, to trust for this season, hold on and remind ourselves that God exists in the gaps. God exists in the gaps and he wants us to be able to press into him because this is where faith really exists. During these times when we're uncertain, unsure, lacking confidence in our own abilities and realize that, yes, there's another stream flowing somewhere that God wants us to be part of. And maybe we need to drill for it. Maybe we need to hunt for it. Maybe we need to uh, experience uh, what it is that God wants for us in a whole new way. But this is God's opportunity and God's time for you. So I just want to encourage you in this season to press in. Don't listen to the narrative of doom and gloom. Just remind yourself that God is the God of the fresh stream, the living water. And he's going to take you through this challenge, whatever it might be for you and your family. So let me pray. Father, indeed, we, we see in Scripture stories that have, um, have lasted the length of time that they have and inspired generations because they remind us of how it is that you work, what it is that you do. And in spite of whatever challenges we might be facing economically, even health-wise right now, uh, we know that you're in the midst of this. Lord, I know that some of us are on empty. And I just want to pray, God, that for my brothers and sisters who are really feeling this emptiness at the moment, that they can remind themselves that this is okay. This is not a bad place to be. It's just a natural byproduct of what we're going through. It's all part of the journey. And for some Lord whose brooks have dried up and they're wondering where on earth they're going to get that provision from next, Lord, I just want to, I just want to pray that they would have the courage to, to reach out to others where they need to and, uh, and remind themselves that the journey of faith is just that. It's not walking by sight. It's walking by faith. And so, God, as we've looked at stories today from Elijah and from the, uh, from the state of Alabama, uh, we can see so much encouragement about how it is that you walk in our world, work in our world and how we walk beside you. And so, God, I want to pray that you would help each one of us and for us as a church too, Lord, to collectively see what it is that the future holds that could be so different to the past because we've pressed into you and we've used a challenging time as a time to be able to learn new things about what it is that we're yet to know. So we ask all this in Jesus' name.